What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Michelle Smallman and Jordan Cornette with you on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, and you can always get in touch with us, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And Jordan, Denver took Game 1. It looked like they were going to take Game 2. Miami down at as many as 15 last night. They were down 8 going into the fourth quarter. But in most of the fourth quarter, Miami played zone. They made 11 of 16 field goals in the fourth and they also made their last nine down the stretch and they were able to come out with a win 111-108 the series is tied at one apiece as Miami heads or Miami heads to Miami excuse me for game three and a lot of talk today about Denver and their lack of effort or perceived lack of effort in game two. Before we get to their head coach, Michael Malone, and hear his thoughts on the matter, did you think that Denver was lacking in any effort last night? No, I think Denver had a game plan that was quite simply, let's see if those three struggling shooters for Miami can meet the moment and deliver. And that's Duncan Robinson, that's Max Struess, and that's Caleb Martin. And what you saw in this game was right away Max Struess saying, I'm not going to be the 0 for, 0 for 9 guy, 0 for 10 guy from the field this game. He comes out, he hits those four threes early. That established, okay, weight's off our back. Our shooters are here. So then you have that moment. Kevin Love being inserted in the starting lineup to provide size gives him some timely early baskets, double-figure rebounds, some great outlet passes and defense. Kayla Martin does his part, fills his role, and then Duncan Robinson takes over late. But what was omnipresent, is the physicality of Miami superseded that of Denver. It overcame and neutralized their size, the ability to knock down those shots, put Denver in scramble mode. And when they were in scramble mode, they simply couldn't recover. This is what Miami's done this entire postseason, a newfound reliance on the three ball to neutralize what they lack in size. It became advantage Miami because they never deterred from their offensive game plan. Continue to be spread you out, move the ball, timely shooting from an array of guys. And once they had that going again, Denver's game plan entering this one, I believe, was make those guys beat us. Once they started to, Denver could never quite recover. Well, their head coach, Michael Malone, had some pretty strong words about his team and their effort last night. Let's talk about effort. I mean, this is the NBA Finals, and we're talking about effort. That's a huge concern of mine. You know, and you guys thought I was just making up some storyline after game one when I said we didn't play well. We didn't play well. And tonight, you know, that the starting lineup to start the game is 10-2 to 2 Miami. Start the third quarter. They scored 11 points in two minutes and 10 seconds. And we just got, you know, we had guys out there that were just, whether feeling sorry for themselves for not making shots or thinking they can just turn it on or off. This is not the preseason. This is not the regular season. It's not round. This is the NBA Finals. And that, to me, is really, really perplexing, disappointing. And Jordan, last night was the first home loss for Denver in these NBA playoffs. And it it really feels like Michael Malone is trying to light a fire under his team. This is unfamiliar territory for them. But you did feel the difference. Even though Denver had it 
right there at the end where they could have forced it into overtime, Jamal Murray missing the three. But it did feel down the stretch as if there was a disparity a disparity in energy between these two teams. Miami had their foot on the gas, and Denver didn't. I, I was watching that thinking I, – I made it in my notes last night watching the game, and I said Denver is feeling the pressure right now. Yeah, but this is who, again, Michelle, this is who Miami's been these playoffs, right? I mean, they are plus 90 in scoring margin in the fourth quarter during this improbable playoff run. This is a group that when the lights become the brightest, when a lot of teams get tight, when pressure busts pipes, you get the best from Miami. You got the best in that game from Jimmy Butler in that fourth quarter, in that 11th hour. You got the timely shot making of Duncan Robinson when they absolutely needed it those 10 points in that fourth quarter. But, Michelle, going back to the sound we just heard from Coach Malone, I don't like it. Here's why I don't like it. And, again, I'm not in that locker room. I've been in locker rooms enough to know anybody outside is just noise unless they're in there. But I'm going to follow some breadcrumbs here. Mm-hmm. What you had in that fi- at the end of that game was three starters from Denver not showing up for postgame for interviews. Gordon, MPJ, KCP. Now, I don't know if it's what happened in the locker room. I'm not going to speculate there. That would be baseless. I'm not in there. But what I do know is this is the NBA Finals. All eyes are on you in wins and how you handle losses. If you're not going to address the media during the NBA Finals, that's unheard of, right? So what it says to me is this is a group that is not certain of who they are going on the road in Game 3 of the NBA Finals. And you have a coach coming out and saying, we're questioning our energy. I don't care if that's what Coach Malone has done all season long. You've got to be unified and fortified at this point. Maybe that's work for his group. Maybe it will continue to. TBD come game three. But what I do know is when I listen to Coach Spo when their back is against the wall, I listen to Jimmy Butler when their back's against the wall, that is a fortified, unified group. They They won three in a row against the Celtics. They lost three in a row. The world was falling. Everybody was talking about this historic pending loss coming in Boston as Miami had to head there for Game 7. What I heard from Spo put me at ease as a, as a, as a better, as a fan, as in somebody who's paying attention. I said, oh, Spo's come out here and said, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. Jimmy Butler said, we're going to put this behind us. Nobody's thinking about anything. We believe it's about who we are. We're going to go do it. They did it. After Game 1, when everybody all of a sudden baselessly said this series was over, I again listened to Spo. I again listen to Jimmy Butler, instilling the belief in those guys who shot horribly in game one. And because Jimmy Butler steadfastly believed in those guys, they came out, fired up. Max Truce immediately answered the call, knocking down shots, and this group took off. That's the approach I want, the Miami Heat's approach. A little bit uneasy listening to Denver and how they're talking right now and how they're behaving in a loss. Jordan, you bring up a great point about the players not showing up to their post-game media obligations last night. And a lot of people out there might be thinking, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal. It's it's the, it's the finals. These players have been working their entire lives to get here. It's a bad loss. But I'm with you. That tells me a lot about where their heads are after this loss last night. Look at the Miami Heat after game six. They were .2 seconds away from putting away the Boston Celtics and going to the NBA Finals before Boston miraculously wins the game and pushes a game seven in Boston. Boston's on the precipice of making history as the first team to come back after losing the first three games in a best of seven series. You know, Miami could not have had more pressure on them than in the immediacy of that game and that heartbreaking loss. And every player showed up and every player had the same message. We're not panicking. 
we're going to go out and we're going to win game seven. They were confident. They they took accountability in a way, but it was more the message was we're going to win. This is not going to defeat us. 100%. So when, so when Mike, Michael Malone says that about his players, and yes, I'm sure he did say to MPJ, KCP, I need more from you. I'm sure that was part of the conversation face-to-face after the game. But for those guys to not show up, I think that says a lot about where their heads are at right now. And that's what's so fascinating to me as we head into game three. Everybody at Crown Denver, the world champions. This is over in four. Oh, okay, well, maybe it's over in five. What we haven't seen yet is attrition. What we have not seen yet is a needed resiliency and a response, a resounding response from Denver in these playoffs because they've been that good, because they haven't been in this position yet. They have been unflappable. They have been perfect entering game two of the NBA Finals. They were 9-0 at home, a plus 12-point differential in these playoffs at the crib. Miami came in there and took their hearts, and they did it in the fourth quarter. And now Coach Malone's out there talking about the effort from his group in the finals, <laughs> complaining about his team in game one after a win in the finals. Three starters from the Nuggets not coming out for postgame op- obligations. That's unheard of. It's the finals. And Miami, who's never paid attention in the highs and also in the lows about who everybody wants to craft a narrative about who they are, they've stayed within the controllables. We are who we are. We believe in the culture. We believe in the personnel. So Miami is not going to get too high after this win. They're going to go back home and be steadfastly who they've been in an improbable manner in this improbable run. How will Denver be now after being shell-shocked at home? How will they respond after being called out by their coach? They have stars. Joker's the best player in the world. But their leadership now will be tested. Joker's not a massive voice. Jamal Murray's not a massive voice. Jimmy Butler, you knew he was going to write the ship for Miami in Game 7 at Boston. You knew he was going to write the ship in Game 2 of these finals. What is the intestinal fortitude of Denver now? That's what we'll find out about in Game 3. So after their head coach, Michael Malone, questioned their effort after last night's Game 2 loss, how should the Denver Nuggets players respond? Here's Harry Douglas from Fitz and Harry here on ESPN Radio. They won seven games in a row, and they lost one. And you're hearing about things on the outside in which Miami, they lost game one. And all you heard about is, you know, we got open looks. Guys are going to continue to shoot those open looks. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But the, the mindset never changed. Nor did they deflect on putting it off on anything else outside of what basketball is. But I also say this, those different Nugget, Nuggets players that wasn't, weren't available for, for the media – this is the NBA Finals. I don't give a damn if you lose 102 to 50. What you need to be is available to the media. I don't care how hard or how bad your head coach got on you. I don't care if, if, if you're in your feelings. That's not a good look. And it tells me that something, I don't know, might be a little screw loose somewhere. I'm with him. I'm with him. And, but look, I'll be the first one to admit it. I'm a drama king. My wife says it all the time. Michelle and me and you working for these last few hours, you've discovered that a little bit. Maybe I'm blowing it out of proportion. But what I don't like is instability. What I don't like is a scrambled group that is not aligned in approach. Because Jimmy Butler would never sit there and look to his right or look to his left at a Max Struess or a Duncan Robinson or a Caleb Martin and go, no, nah, I played like dog poo. I ain't going to talk to the media. 
No, Coach Spo was too up in me in postgame. And, again, that's speculative. But I'm not going to go out there and talk to the media. What this group has done steadfastly, highs and lows, remain themselves to the benefit of the Heat. We're not seeing that currently with Denver and have yet to in these playoffs. In a game one win, we didn't see it and hear it from Coach Malone in postgame. And we certainly have seen a little bit of chaos after game two. And Coach Malone addressing the effort, lack thereof, and also the players saying, I'm not doing media. That says to me, this is a group that's not used to the moment. Can they circle the wagons, get it right on the road? Massive question going into game three. But, Michelle, what I think we can agree upon, momentum has shifted to Miami at this very moment. And I think another thing we can agree on, Jordan, is those two buzzwords, heat culture. That That's something we've been talking about for a long time, but particularly during these NBA playoffs. And I've been calling Jimmy Butler the force multiplier during these NBA playoffs because heat culture starts with him. And he permeates this confidence and this culture touch point throughout his the entirety of his team. And... I know that Joker is the best player in the world, and we know playoff Jamal is a force to be reckoned with. But Jimmy Butler, if Spo questioned his team's effort, Jimmy Butler would be the first person to respond to it in, in the post game, And he would be the first person to say, we, we are going to be better, and we are going to show you in game three. And the fact that you don't have... And, and by the way, I can't imagine that any of his teammates would not show up for the post game press conferences knowing that Jimmy Butler is going to be there. He sets the tone. He would be there. He'd be the first one to be emphatic about his confidence in the team. And I I have to believe that everybody else would follow suit. And the fact that three players on the Denver Nuggets didn't have some sort of fear factor about having to answer to someone, whether it's their head coach or Nikola Jokic or Jamal Murray or somebody that wouldn't let that fly says something to me. Kevin Love. Championship ilk. Coach Spo, championship ilk. At the very top, there is nobody who's laid in title glory more than Pat Riley. This group understands what it takes at the levels of leadership. And oh, by the way, Jimmy Butler is so thirst and starved for a title, he is so locked in, he wouldn't touch the trophy after they won the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. He looked dejected after he was named the MVP because all he sees is the end, and all he wants is that title. And that hunger and pursuit of it and his approach of it all separates him. It's a differentiator. The Joker is the best player in the world. That matters. That presents a hell of a challenge. This Denver team has been unflappable for the majority of the playoffs. They haven't been punched like this yet. They haven't seen a fight from a group like Miami who never worries about the opposition. Miami, at their best thinking about themselves and where they can be and how locked in they need to stay. At their worst, still about them, how they're going to be. No, 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 not what we're doing wrong, but why we feel good. Miami knew they got the quality shots, more of them than Denver in game one. Coach Malone, in a win, even let us in on that fact. That also led me to believe Miami would win. But it again goes back to the leadership of Jimmy Butler. This dude made Max Struess believe he would make shots to start the game. This guy, Jimmy Butler, made Duncan Robinson believe three quarters of nothing, fourth quarter showtime, ten points there. Kevin Love had already won a title, so he knew when he got his number called after three DMPs, 
He was going to come out there and make some big buckets early. He was going to grab double-figure rebounds. He was going to have some outlet passes that would lead to transition buckets. He was going to defend. He was going to provide all that. And the guy we've not talked nearly enough about, Gabe Vincent. Mm -hmm. Wow. Talk about alleviating pressure. Maybe Jimmy did that with his words for the other guys. Gabe Vincent's doing that with his play. Jimmy Butler has gotten away with three average quarters in those finals because of what Gabe Vincent's been doing off the bounce as a scorer and a creator. And as long as you get that from Gabe, as long as you get what you're getting from Jimmy off the court and on, those role players are going to deliver. I love, not like, I love Miami in game three. The momentum has firmly shifted in this one. We're playing a seven-game series. I'm not sure who wins it yet, but Miami's winning game three. I'm so glad you shouted out Gabe Vincent. What a huge three for him to give Miami the lead back, 86-85, down the stretch. He's Jordan Cornett. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. And ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We don't know if the Denver Nuggets or the Miami Heat are going to be NBA champions, but we do know that from 2006 to 2009, we saw a championship Florida Gators football team. And we've been talking a lot about the upcoming the hotly anticipated Swamp Kings documentary that's going to be released on August 23rd that chronicles that era of Florida football. And we wanted to hear from you. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. What sports documentary do you want to see get made that doesn't already exist? Bruce in Virginia has been hanging on the line for a long time. Bruce, let's hear it. What movie do you want to see get made? Hey, Michelle. Jordan, thanks for taking my call. 106.1 FM in Richmond. It has to be the title. They were name, image, and likeness before name, image, and likeness. The John Thompson, Georgetown Hoyer story. Can you imagine how John Thompson told to a Catholic community in Washington, D.C., I'm going to come here and produce champions every year in the 80s and I'm going to bring three dominant centers and a player who had to be pardoned by the governor of Virginia yes. to Georgetown, and we're going to win championships. And in the 90s, Jordan and Michelle, you both will remember this. Georgetown Hoyer merchandise mm-hmm. was on everyone's hat. Hoyer Perry was on everyone's head. Yes, Uniform. Sir. Everything was Georgetown for you. They were name, image, and likeness before NIL. I mean, you're, you're spot on, Bruce. And the part he's talking about is Allen Iverson, who himself has become a documentary, a very well done one with ESPN. But, yeah, I mean, look, you could go through those centers, and obviously you've you, you got to start with Patrick Ewing. I mean, the number one recruit in the world coming over, uh, getting him out of New York, bringing him down there to Georgetown. And what a dominant player he was. I think back to that championship game where Coach Thompson said, goaltend the first few baskets just to instill a fear of how dominant you are as a big man. Um, But I I would have to, at the age of 40, having seen, obviously, the Patrick Ewing time, but I was very, very young then. But Allen Iverson in a Georgetown uniform, rocking number three, uh, the battle he had with Ray Allen in the Big East championship game is – a game I'll never forget. Now, of course, uh, those two became two of the brightest stars ever. But just the story of John Thompson in the, in the cultivating of the Big East, the rivalries he had in that league, the personalities that were in that league, the rivalry I think of with Georgetown and Syracuse, 
just the the just the outward look of a Georgetown team that was all black at Georgetown, uh, but in a in a in a very black city of D.C., but an institution that didn't really translate to black culture before John Thompson. A lot of stories woven in there that are very fascinating, but some great teams. That would be one I would love to see about the late great John Thompson. Did you know, by the way, big country music fan, John Thompson? Did not know that. Huge country music What a fan. fun fact. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that would be one I'd love <laughs> to see. John Thompson uh, was, you know, one of the guys that in the Cornette household, my father idolized him. So by proxy, I idolized him coming up. Always wanted to have the chance to play for him. Uh, but, of course, I got to go to Notre Dame and play for the great Mike Bray. Uh, who, who went away as the winningest coach at Notre Dame. I had a great time, but the Big East I loved because of guys like John Thompson. I would love that documentary, Bruce. I would too. Great call, Bruce. And we're going to take more of your calls coming up next. Plus, the Celtics bring in some help for their head coach. We're going to talk about it next. He's Jordan Cornett. I'm Michelle Smallman. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Alongside Jordan Cornette, I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN Radio, at M. Smallman, and at Jordan Cornette. Jordan, are you a Travis Scott guy? You know, I feel like I'm kind of aging out of the ability to say that because I'm 40. But I listen to all music. I am. I do enjoy some Travis Scott. My 15-year-old son keeps me young in that category. There you go. 
I was going to say that that song always hits. It always makes me think of pregame music, whether it's before an NBA game or an NFL game. You're going to hear some Travis Scott. And I'm sure they're going to play some up in Green Bay. And let's talk about some comments that were made, Jordan, about Green Bay and their new quarterback. So we know that Jordan Love is officially QB1 in Green Bay. He has officially gotten the baton from Aaron Rodgers. But as far as his wide receiver, Romeo Dobbs, is concerned, it's not going to be that big of a shift from future Hall of Famer, MVP, Super Bowl winner Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. Here's what he had to say. He was talking to Spectrum News 1 in Wisconsin. He said, I think Jordan can do it. I think Jordan is a really good quarterback. When you go from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan, Aaron was a really great quarterback, but I believe Jordan can do the exact same thing. So, no, I don't really see What's the big difference? I see a progression. I see it going up. I don't see the Packers going down. I only focus on our room and our team in this organization. This organization is historic, and it's only winning. That's all. When you hear Green Green Bay, it's no losing. It's only winning. And you know that Dobbs is certainly going to hype up his new quarterback. He's trying to get his his catches, you know, and he's the one that's in the huddle with Jordan Love every day. But what, what do you think, Jordan? Do you think that there's any merit to what he's saying about there not being that big of a drop-off between Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love? See, to me, Michelle, what it says is I, I don't think he could truly believe that there's no drop-off. Obviously, there is. Aaron Rodgers may be the most talented player in the league still. So there's clearly going to be some drop-off. Jordan Love, at his best, would be hard-pressed to ever imagine he's going to be Aaron Rodgers. And that's no slight to Jordan Love. It just speaks how great Aaron Rodgers is. My takeaway, though, is what Aaron Rodgers was to Green Bay was a little taxing. Yes, talent. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot of regular season winning. Did result in one title, but a lot of playoff letdowns. But greater than that, it was a lot of drama. That was very taxing there. And so Romeo is probably a little scarred from that, and not so much that part of it because Romeo's young, but Romeo was shot out of a cannon last year before he got hurt. Got hurt, came back, role wasn't the same, wasn't targeted as much. Other guys kind of surpassed him while he was out. But what Romeo said about Aaron Rodgers is what got me to my conclusion. What he said about Rodgers was learned a lot about him despite not talking to him much. Mm -hmm. So Romeo's clearly saying, I hardly knew Aaron Rodgers. Why would I cape for him besides what everybody knows that he's great? I have a relationship with Jordan Love. I'm working out out in California with him. We have connections through other people. This is my quarterback. We're kind of on a a path together. We're two young guys trying to usher in this new post-Aaron Rodgers era. I have the relationship here. That relationship is critical between quarterback and maybe his number one target. He's going to need him because Green Bay has the youngest receiving core in the NFL. They've got their left side of that offensive line short up ton of questions on the other spots there. So there's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be some bumps and bruises along the way. But to me, take solace in the fact that Romeo and Jordan clearly have a relationship. That would translate to productivity. And I think there is a breath of refreshing air. Yeah, we're losing incredible talent. But Jordan Love is going to be about football, hopefully winning on Sundays, and none of the other minutiae that Aaron Rodgers brought. Minutia equaling drama, you mean? <laughs> as, as a self-proclaimed yeah. drama king, I can identify it very readily. And th- this is a brand new era in Green Bay, and Dobbs isn't the only one that has confidence in him. So does the organization. There's a reason why they 
drafted this guy and that they stuck with him despite him only starting once, throwing for 606 yards and three scores over three years. He Ten total appearances, Jordan, in three years. So maybe Jordan Love can equal Aaron Rodgers. We don't really know. We don't really have the book on him yet. Will it happen right away? Likely no. And I think that it's probably wise for Green Bay to maybe not take the same path as Dobbs and say that he thinks he can match Aaron Rodgers' output. I'm sure they're going to be preaching patience with him as he develops into a quarterback, but or into what they hope he will be one day. He's already a quarterback, obviously. But I I do think that they have a lot of confidence in this guy, and it's a good thing to have your wide receiver out there hyping you up. Yeah, it's huge, but I mean, let's let's remember, you'd have to go back to to what, 1992? 1992! The last time there was questions at quarterback for Green Bay. That's 31 years ago. Like, from from, from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, who, by the way, was unknown at that point, too. He fell in the draft. You knew you had something. At the point, it became, Brett, move on already so we can figure out what we have here. What they had is yet another Hall of Famer who a lot of people would say was better than Brett Favre, depending on where you stand in Green Bay. Not here for that conversation right now. But what they got was continued greatness with Aaron Rodgers. So now, for the first time in what feels like forever, Green Bay has to figure out what they have at quarterback again. But you have to lean on the fact that Jordan Love has the talent. He's got a, a brilliant offensive-minded coach that likes to lead with the run first, likes complimentary football, will put this quarterback in a position, but they're going to take time to grow. It's a, it's, a, it's a young court there in Green Bay. There's a lot of question marks. Those targets aren't proven at wideout or tight end. That offensive line has question marks aside from the left side of it, which is short up. There's going to be a learning curve that needs to be understood there with Jordan Love. And having a guy like Romeo Dobbs come out and say, I'm fully support this guy, much like I was just singing the praises of Jimmy Butler lifting up his team and they performed in game two, I'm all for those vibes from Romeo. So say something outlandish like there's no drop-off. It's positive. I like it. He's Jordan Cornette. I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to Canteen Carlin here on ESPN Radio. And coming up next, Travis Kelsey usually catches footballs from Patrick Mahomes. But today it was Mahomes catching Kelsey. We're going to explain. That's next. Canteen Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Canteen Carlin Podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Alongside Jordan Cornette, I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to Canteen Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. You could always get in touch with us, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And our topic throughout the day was about sports documentaries. There's a sports documentary coming out about Florida football, Swamp Kings. It's going to be released in August. Highly anticipated documentary. But we wanted to know if there's a sports documentary that you would like to see that isn't in existence yet. Let's go to Kevin 
who's in Texas. Kevin, what sports doc do how, you want to see get you? made? We're doing great. Thanks I'll for the just, call. I'll just tell you that the Stephen A. Smith one's hard to argue with because other than writing a bedtime story, he would be great. He makes fun of Mike of Jerry Jones's Cowboys, not mine, but makes fun of the Cowboys and it's great. But I'll tell you, if you go back 20 years, there was a two people on the radio. One was a football player whose brother also was on Saved by the Bell. The other was a Jewish kid out of New York, and I'm from Texas. I'm still listening to that Jewish kid from New York, yeah. so Greenberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really cool I mean, story as well. I mean, what what we've covered, Kevin, is now two pillars of ESPN success uh, and the faces, uh, two of the biggest faces and voices at the network. Mike Greenberg, uh, you know, came came through, studied at Northwestern, uh, worked in Chicago media there with a lot of people that I worked with. I knew of him before I ever worked at the same company as him because of how people spoke with such reverence about him in Chicago. Now he's become this national guy, uh, deservedly so, through such diligent work, such fascinating, interesting takes, and a charisma and warmth that oozes off of him. Yeah, him and Stephen A., give me those two documentaries on consecutive nights. Give me a taste of one, and then I'll finish off with the other one. I want to watch both for sure. I think it's great. I love it. We were actually talking about this during the break about Mike Greenberg, Mike Golick, and and what Mike and Mike was and how it was such an important touch point in our sports yeah. media lives and, and just how it changed the industry. It's hard enough to find a show that works, let alone one that can capture the entire country as they're going into work for 17 years. But I don't think people realize how difficult it is to do a morning show. And the fact that those guys could do it and do it that well at such an elite level for that length of time is truly remarkable and i would love to see a documentary get made yeah i would i would love it and i think what kevin also touched upon was you know both of them have continued to soar in different avenues uh you know mike golick still very successful uh working at a different company uh doing great things with his son michael jr uh, two dear friends of mine and uh have been in my family's corner in a lot of different ways uh, a notre dame family so that's the clear tie there um, but, yeah, Mike Greenberg, to continue to soar at the network even after all that fame and all that achievement with Mike and Mike. I mean, look, that show people forget because Mike Golick's now such a big star, too, and a recognizable name. But coming in, it's not like people said, oh, yeah, I remember Mike Golick, you know, and, and his time in the NFL. That's right. not taking away from his career. He just wasn't as recognizable until they sat these two improbable pair together and they did sports every morning from Monday through Friday and really captivated us all. So I'd love to hear Greenberg start his fascination in sport. We know he's over the moon with Aaron Rodgers and his Jets right now. But, yeah, I'd love to hear that story. Well, as we head down the stretch of Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, Michelle Smallman and Jordan Cornette, I'm excited, Jordan. My first time doing this. It's time for three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. 
So one thing, Jordan, that we didn't get to today that I certainly wanted to get your take on is a bit of news coming out of the NBA that the Celtics, they're adding three-time NBA champion Sam Cassell to Joe Mazzulla's staff. Uh, Cassell's name frequently mentioned uh, as a head coaching candidate, but he is bringing a veteran voice to Boston's bench joining Mazzulla's staff. What do you think that this is going to do for Boston's coaching staff and Mazzulla and his in-game adjustments? I love it. I, I, I think the word was that Ime Udoka is going to take some of that staff from Boston down with him. Uh, this this one makes sense because the Celtics need a player voice, a guy that has the coaching acumen. Heck, Cassell should be a head coach in the league. Uh, he won a title. He's won three titles. He won one in Boston in 08 with Garnett and Pierce and Allen. He's a guy that will command respect in what was reportedly a locker room that had some complication. This is a guy that demands that respect home run. Let's move on to number two here. So the Kansas City Chiefs, they celebrated their Super Bowl win at the White House today. Travis Kelsey and, of course, Patrick Mahomes on hand. And Mahomes and Kelsey, they were joining President Joe Biden on stage for photos. Travis Kelsey made the audience laugh. He pretended to deliver a speech of his own at at the podium. And Kelsey began to say, Jordan, so I've been waiting for this. Patrick Mahomes, he swoops in. He pulls him from the podium before he could continue. Yeah, I mean, look, these two are like lethal weapon. One one is the wild card. The other one's the straight guy. Everybody knows Mahomes <laughs> plays it straight in yeah. between the lines. And Kelsey's kind of that wild card. These two are riding high. They're a dynastic group. They once again have won the Super Bowl. They love to have fun. I think Tom Brady is the Patrick Mahomes all business. And the Gronk-like character here is Travis Kelsey just loving the moment, loving what they're doing. I dig it. And finally, a great story coming out of baseball. The Chicago White Sox defeated the the Tigers 6-2 on Sunday for a three-game series sweep, but that's not the story. Liam Hendricks works a 1-2-3 ninth. He strikes out two, the third big league appearance for the All-Star closer since he missed the start of the season after he was diagnosed with stage 4 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And by the way, it was National Cancer Survivors Day. So a great outing for Liam Hendricks on National Cancer Survivors Day. Day means a great deal to the Cornette household. My sister-in-law, Coley Stagger, just graduated from IU, cancer survivor, stage four, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. She's in remission, living her best life. Love this story from Liam. Shout out to my sister-in-law. Let's continue to crush this thing called cancer. Love this story from Liam. Great time hanging out with Jordan Cornette. I'm Michelle Smallman. Jordan, thanks for such a great show. I had so much fun with you. Time flies. Let's do it again. And and Joe and Amber is coming up next. This has been Canty and Carlin. I'm Michelle Smallman. He's Jordan Cornette. Keep it here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Is your mouth watering yet? Mine sure is. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.